Hello, and welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York, on the unceded homelands of the Mohican people, who are known today as the Stockbridge, Muncie community. I'm Sina Bazila Hickey. And I'm Keon McPherson. It is one week until Election Day, and today's episode... Uh, and today's episode features uh, episodes from our Election Watch 2022 series. Today on the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, we begin here hearing from the creator of the series, Corinne Carey, and about the purpose of the collection of candidate interviews. Then we hear from Rensselaer County Court Judge Deborah Young. And then the two contenders for Troy City Court Judge Mark Pelosi and Troy City Court Judge Matthew Turner. Finally, we hear from Troy City Council District Number 2 candidate Ryan Brosnan. But first, here are the headlines. A criminal trial kicked off Monday against the Trump Organization in Manhattan Supreme Court as prosecutors detailed how greed and cheating, quote-unquote, drove a 15-year scheme to avoid taxes. Two other trials against Trump and his associates are also underway in New York, as well as a civil court proceeding by Attorney General Tish James against Trump, where the Attorney General has asked a judge to freeze the Trump Organization's assets. A Buffalo judge has ruled that Starbucks workers and union representatives must hand over to the company all documents and recordings they have of their conversations with the media about unionizing stores in Buffalo's. This concerns free press advocates who note the communications between the reporters and sources are usually respected as privileged and private. The Times Union reports that in an act, the quote, act of heinous overt racism, end quote, someone wrote racial slurs outside the only school led by a black principal in the North Colony District. The Rensselaer County Career Center, which helps individuals prepare for and find careers in every sector of the economy, has opened a new satellite workforce development center at Hudson Valley Community College. The record reports that the Troy City Council has approved the second round of Federal American Rescue Plan Act funds, including $2.5 million in hazard premium pay for city workers due to COVID. Funds will also go to neighborhood projects such as Troy Library Renovations, the Knickerbocker Pool, the Boys and Girls Club, youth programs, and more. And that's it for the headlines. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, listener-supported radio that builds community in Troy and the surrounding capital region through broad grassroots participation. Our content is produced by volunteers. To learn how you can contribute, go to, go to mediasanctuary.org, email us at hmm at mediasanctuary.org, or call 518-272-2390. Hudson Mohawk Magazine political and public affairs correspondent Corinne Carey is the creator of Election Watch, an annual series on Hudson Mohawk Magazine which profiles local candidates. This series for 2022 is just getting underway, and Corinne gives us an intro as what to expect. Election Watch 2022 is just getting underway, and to tell us more about this, we're now joined by Hudson Mohawk Magazine's political and public affairs correspondent, Corinne Carey. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Sina. So let's begin with an overview of what is Election Watch and what areas are you covering? 
We decided uh, several years ago at the Hudson Mohawk Magazine to do candidate profiles of people running for local office. We found that while resources like the League of Women Voters is great for finding out about races, um, a lot of these folks don't ever really tell prospective voters who they are. Um, they may do some door-to-door -door campaigning for local office. You may get a flyer taped to your door or you know, rubber banded to your doorknob. But for the most part, when people go to the polling places uh, and they get their ballots, they look and they, they don't recognize many of the names. In some cases, they don't understand how people are running on two different party lines. It's very confusing. Um, so, you know, when there's a presidential election, people head to the polls because they know who's at the top of the ticket and they're motivated to vote there. Sometimes there's an exciting congressional race, but many people um, and many people who consider themselves politically savvy don't really understand how the state legislature works. They don't understand what power state senators have and state assembly members. They may not know who represents them. So even among my colleagues and friends, uh, when I talk to them about issues that are going on in the state legislature, they say, oh, yeah, I know that um, I'm in touch with Senator Schumer or Senator Gillibrand. And I'm like, actually, there's a whole separate state Senate. Um, and, and most people don't even know who represent them. So those are the, the high profile races. And then you talk about county court judges and city court judges and city council and town clerks. You know, what do these people do? Who are they? Um, that's what we really set out to do at the Hudson Mohawk magazine is to let prospective voters know that these positions are on the ballot and who's running for them. So you mentioned the League of Women Voters. Is that the only resource out there when it comes to informing oneself about the election? Are there other resources? I think that's the only comprehensive resource. It's a resource called vote411.org, and they publish information that they have about all of the candidates, what those positions do, like what does a city clerk do um, and who's running. Sometimes I think they have information on, on positions that those folks hold, but really that is the only comprehensive resource that's out there. There's some candidate debates for some of the higher level positions that the league and other community organizations sponsor. But if you're looking at like a, a court judge you know, you, you have to search them out on their own social media sites. Sometimes they have a website, sometimes not. Uh, it's really hard to find out who these people are. So that's the kind of public service that we're providing. You work with a team of people, but you have been doing a lot of the interviews. What are some of the questions that you ask candidates? Yeah, it is a team of us. Um, there are, in, in some years, there are more interviews than others. I, I think this year we've got about I don't know, 25 candidates that we're targeting um, to talk to. And I generally ask them, you know, why are you seeking this position? Uh, which is always an interesting answer. And then I ask them to tell me what that position does, which is so interesting, um, especially when you've got the opposing candidates describing what they see the role of Grafton town judge is. You know, for some of the judges, we ask them what justice means to them, and we get some interesting answers there. Uh, we ask them about what prior 
life experience they have that makes them qualified for the position. We ask them how they're different from their opponent. And I, I like to throw in a question about where we can find them relaxing. You know, when you're not running for office, when you're not sitting on the bench ren rendering decisions, where can we find you out relaxing? And during the pandemic, I got some pretty sobering responses to that question from city council candidates, you know, some of whom said to me, there really isn't a lot of time to relax these days. I'm serving my community. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was a very rough time. And so this idea of people having extra time to relax, it was really interesting to me to think about that as a privilege and not as a given. So I, I've kind of rephrased that question now. And I ask people generally, where can we find you in the community when you're not campaigning or on your full-time job? And we get some interesting answers. A lot of times people say with family, but then sometimes we get some interesting uh, responses like, you know, karaoke in a, in a local bar or whatever. And that gives people a sense of who these people are as people, you know? You and your team have been reaching out to some of the candidates. What do you make of that when the candidates are not taking an opportunity to talk about their election? Do they not think that their, uh, their running is at high stakes? Or can you just talk about the whole situation and what's going on there? Yeah, it's so interesting to me. Um, many of the people for these what they call down ballot races have never done an interview before. So this is their first opportunity to ever talk to a journalist um, to really make their case in a public way. And that's that's really rewarding and fun to like coach people through their first media interview. I love those types of interviews. And those are people that are eager to get the word out about who they are. Then you've got folks that just don't respond. And I, I think there's a number of things going on. Some judges think that they can't talk publicly and it's not true. I mean, they're on the ballot. They should, you know, let people know who they are before they go to the, to the ballot box. Because why are we relying on people to vote the party line for a judge when a judge is supposed to represent, well, I mean, every one of these offices is supposed to represent everyone, but judges shouldn't be partisan. So why wouldn't you want, you know, Democrats knowing who you are as a Republican candidate or vice versa? Um, so sometimes I find that people are on the ballot and they don't even know it, Sina. It's pretty unbelievable. You know, we contact people for an interview and they're like, oh, I didn't even know I was on the ballot. And how Someone does that happen? The party puts them on the ballot and they don't even know. So that's that's an interesting factoid in and of itself, right? And then you've got people who inexplicably just don't want the voters to know who they are. They are counting on the party line votes. And that from a civics, you know, from like a, a civic engagement perspective is hugely disappointing to me. Um, and there are there are a large number of candidates that just count on the get out the vote from their own party. And they would rather not perhaps let the opposing party know who they are and what positions they hold. Um, but these interviews, you know, much to the chagrin of some part of their hyper partisan people are not hard hitting partisan interviews. They are get to know you interviews so that we have a sense of who these people are when we see their names on the ballot. 
So you've just about a minute left. In that minute, how would you demystify the opportunity to be profiled on Hudson Mohawk magazine? Oh my goodness. I think it's a great opportunity for people to tout their accomplishments um, and their background and to really reach people that may not ever know who they are, even if they do win. <laughs> I think these interviews are fun. And I think that they give people practice at speaking um, to issues that they care about and making their stump speech in a different format. And so I would just encourage anyone um, to do one of these interviews. It's not, you're not gonna be skewered by us. Our interest with this election series is, is really letting people know who they are. It's not in knocking one candidate or another. We are, um, hyper nonpartisan uh, in our efforts with this with this series. And I would encourage anyone to respond to our requests for an interview. Thank you, Corinne Carey. And the interviews will all be together on a page, Election Watch 2022, mediasanctuary.org. Anything that I've left out that's really important to include here? Well, I think candidates should know that if they really like the interview, and I think most of them do, they can use it on their own social media page and promote it so that the people that follow them can hear the interview as well. So there's an added benefit to these uh, to these candidates for doing the interview. They get a tangible thing that they can share with their supporters. Thank you so much for telling us more about Election Watch. Thank you, Sina. That was my interview with Corinne Carey just as the election season was getting started or well when does it officially get started but back in September um, and Corinne Carey and her team of correspondents most notably Blaze Bryant and Corinne, uh, Andrea Cunliffe reached out to local candidates of Rensselaer County many didn't respond but uh, to our offer for being profiled but coming up we have some for you moving right along to our second segment Rensselaer County Court Judge Deborah Young did respond to our request, and she spoke with political and public affairs correspondent Corinne Carey about her candidacy and experiences. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Now, you are running for county court judge um, in Rensselaer County, and I'd like you to explain to our listeners what a county court judge actually does. Absolutely. So the easiest way to explain it is uh, to look at it from the perspective of the types of cases that I handle. County court is considered the superior criminal court in a county. So all criminal cases start out either in town, village, or city court. Once the initial proceedings are done in those courts, it gets sent up, if it is a felony, to county court. So anything where the sentence could potentially be state prison would be a case that I would handle. Can you give some examples of the kind of cases that you have handled in the past? Absolutely. I um, presided over a case out of the uh, Lansingburg. Um, it was rather heavily covered by the media at the time where uh, two women and two children were found um, murdered in their basement apartment right around Christmas of 2017. I tried that case uh, at the beginning of the pandemic back in March of 2020. Uh, 
for about three weeks. I got the case as far as to the jury deliberating when I had to declare a mistrial because one of our jurors developed some COVID-like symptoms and was unable to come back in. And then I retried the case last November. The defendant chose to represent himself uh, and I presided over that case over a series of five weeks, um, ultimately getting a verdict in that case. So that's an example of a case that I've tried uh, in the past couple of years that listeners and, and people may have heard about because it was um, in the media. Some other ones that don't get quite the same attention would be your, um, your robberies, your burglaries, anything involving a handgun, um, sexual abuse cases, rape cases, those types of things are the, the cases that I see on a daily basis. What motivated you to seek out this position to begin with? That's a really interesting question. My journey to become a judge actually started back in the early 2000s uh, when I was a partner in my law firm. And I was trying cases and, and working with the attorneys in my firm. And they'd come into my office and they would say to me, oh, I've got this great case. I'm going to try it. These are the facts. It's wonderful. I'm going to win. And I would say to them, well, have you thought about this fact? Or how are you going to respond to this argument? Or what about that? And after speaking them for, to them for a while, they would say, you know, maybe I should resolve this case. You've made some really good points. I think I need to, to look at my case a little bit more closely. And it was at that moment that I said, I think I'm in the right profession, of the legal profession, but I think I might be in the wrong seat. I think I might be someone who would be more useful in helping people resolve disputes as a judge. So I got involved in the political process back in the early 2000s with my eye towards eventually running for a judge position. Uh, and I like my job as a county court judge in dealing with the types of cases that I, I do because every single day I can make a difference. I'm making a difference in the lives of the people that are standing in front of me. I make a difference in the lives of those people that um, have perhaps suffered some harm at the hands of the people standing in front of me. And I make a difference in my community every day, uh, which is another thing that has always motivated me in everything that I've done. I um, originally thought that I was going to go to medical school after I graduated from college because I wanted to help people. I wanted to make a difference. That didn't work out. I found I was better suited to the legal profession than the medical profession. And this career choice and path has really allowed me to um, really join two things that I love very much, the law and making a difference in people's lives. What one experience in your life stands out for you as something that makes, something that you experienced that makes you uniquely qualified to be a judge? I would have to say um, the fact that my brother is developmentally disabled and mentally ill. Um, he's my older brother, so I have lived, he's been a part of my life since I was born. And uh, watching my parents deal with the, his issues as a child, as a teenager, and now as an adult, has given me a lot of compassion and understanding of people um, and the things that they are sometimes struggling with. It's easy to, to look at someone and assume that you know everything about them based upon what you're seeing. But I've learned dealing with someone like my brother 
who appears to be very normal, but has a lot of issues behind him, that there's often more to people than meets the eye. So I tend to really hold off and reserve on making a decision or a judgment about a person until I know more about them and about their story. Because I, I, I try not to make a snap judgment because I think people made snap judgments about my brother his entire life and they don't always know the full story uh, of who he is and the things that he's dealing with. So I think that experience of growing up in that household and with him as a sibling, he's my only sibling, um, has really shaped my entire perspective. It's really made me who I am today and has driven me and my desire to help people as much as I possibly can. Hmm. What does justice mean to you? I think justice means to me really taking a pause and looking at all of the facts about the the situation that you're dealing with, the person who's standing in front of you, um, what they are alleged to have done, what my decisions are going to mean to that person, to the victim, to the community at large, and to trying to apply the law fairly and even-handedly to everyone. Um, So that's what I, I, when I think of justice, that's, it's, it's a gut instinct, I think, of what is exactly right in a, given, in a given case. Now, you've been in this position, you were first elected in 2012, so you've been in this position for quite some time now, um, and you ran originally, and I guess you're running today, as a Republican um, and a conservative. Is that, is that right? Do I have that right? Yes. What does it mean to, I'm sorry, what does it mean to have a judge who is charged with being impartial um, to have that person be running on a party line? That sometimes feels like it's confusing to voters. Can you talk about your party identification and how it affects uh, your candidacy? Absolutely. And I, that's a great question. And I'm glad you asked it because I, having been in this position for the past 10 years, I don't necessarily feel that I'm affiliated with a party. As a judge, I can't be political. I, I don't check someone's voter registration status before I decide how I'm going to handle their case. I handle everybody's case fairly and impartially and even-handedly. Um, and I, I understand why judges need to have a party affiliation. We have to be that way so that we can have access to the ballot. The way it works in New York State is to get on the ballot, you have to circulate nominating petitions, and that needs to be done by a particular party. So we have to have that affiliation in order to get on the ballot, but it sometimes feels like that's just not right, that um, because we serve everyone, and we should, and I do, treat everyone equally, that we party affiliation is something that shouldn't necessarily apply to the judicial races. Judge, where can we find you out relaxing when you're not on the bench or out campaigning? Family is extremely important to me. I have three um, children who are nearly into adulthood. Um, So when I 
when I can and when my boys are home from college, I like to spend my time with them and with my daughter. I have three dogs that I absolutely adore. So you can often find me just walking around my neighborhood with my dogs, enjoying the sunshine and the, the nice weather that we tend to get in the summertime around here. I'm an avid reader, so I belong to uh, two book clubs. So I spend time at the book clubs with my friends discussing uh, whatever the book of the month is. Um, and my parents live next door to me. So when I have a chance and some free time, I, I like to spend my time with them. So with my family, with my friends, and with my dogs. Well, it was lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. I hope you stay safe out on the campaign trail. And uh, after the general election results come, we might have you back. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. And I, I thank you for taking the time and reaching out. That was the interview with Rensselaer County Court Judge Deborah Young. And that interview was edited by Blaze Bryant. For those of you just tuning in, I'm Sina Bazila-Hickey. And I'm Keon McPherson. You're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network on WOOCLP 105.3 FM Troy, WOOGLP 92.7 FM Troy, WOOSLP 90.9 FM Schenectady, WOOALP 106.9 FM Albany, and streaming online at mediasanctuary.org. This program comes from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York. If you like what you hear, you can find you can support this program by telling a friend, finding today's stories and more at mediasanctuary.org. Next, we hear from both candidates running for Troy City Court Judge. First, we hear from Mark Pelosi, who is running against the incumbent Matthew Turner. Mark Pelosi spoke with Corinne Carey. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So you are running to be the next Troy City Court judge. Um, can you tell our listeners what a city court judge actually does? Sure. So Troy is actually unique uh, in more ways than one. But when it comes to the city court, um, Troy is the only city, I believe, in the state of New York that has both full-time and part-time city court judges. So most cities in, the, in New York, um, the city court jurisdiction is any criminal case, which would be a misdemeanor level offense or below. So your, your typical DWIs, your typical larcenies and, um, and violations of that sort. But city court also has jurisdiction over small claims matters, which are disputes between people up to $5,000. It also has jurisdiction over eviction cases and uh, code enforcement cases as well, as, as well as a variety of other unique types of cases. But those are really the bulk of the types of cases in, in Troy City Court. And the position I'm running for is the, the part-time position. So the way that the, the city has divided the responsibilities is the two full-time judges in Troy, they handle about 99% of the criminal cases and they're divided among the two of them. The civil judge, which is the position I'm running for, would handle everything else. So your evictions, your small claims matters, your code enforcement, your traffic tickets, your dog bite cases. Those are the types of cases that I would be presiding over. So the kinds of things that affect the vast majority of Troy residents, uh, unlike criminal court, which, you know, affects a smaller number of people. 
Absolutely. Most people, the only interaction they're going to have with the court system is typically a speeding ticket, right? Uh, most people are not committing criminal offenses and they won't be in the criminal court. So I, I would submit that the position I'm running for is really the quality of life uh, judge position within the city of Troy, because it does handle um, cases that do impact residents of Troy, like your code enforcement cases, like your evictions. You know, when someone is violating or you have a, a landlord who's not you know, properly maintaining their property, or littering. Um, those are obviously quality of life issues that impact everybody. So I think I would argue this is the most important city court position um, available. Why are you running? It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, I, I've worked on both sides of the aisle. I used to be the lead prosecutor for vehicular crimes with the Rensselaer County DA's office. I've been in defense practice for a decade now. Um, I used to work as an environmental attorney out in Syracuse. I've run through the gambit of types of cases and I always find myself always leaning towards the middle, if that makes any sense. I, I, I zealously advocate for my clients, regardless of what side of the aisle I'm on. I'd like to think I do a pretty good job, but I often find myself you know, advocating or arguing uh, on behalf of the other side. And I always want to make the right decision. And I think my skill set, uh, coupled with my, you know, my experience in the community, would make me the best fit to be a judge in the city of Troy and, and make sure that I'm advocating for everybody. Well, aside from the the roles that you've played in the in the justice system, what other prior life experience or career experience do you have that makes you uniquely qualified for this position? So I was born and raised in Troy. Uh, I went to Lansingburg High School, graduated there 20 years ago. I had my reunion a couple of weeks ago. It was pretty remarkable. And then I, uh, I went to university at Albany and Albany Law School. And, and then, you know, I settled back in Troy, bought a house here. And since that time, um, my wife and I have been very active in the community. Uh, besides our, our professional careers, um, I also serve as the president of the Knickerbocker Park Board of Directors, which is the 27-acre private park in North Troy. And recently, we put on a ton of events for the community and children. We've built a new playground, a new fitness court. We're in the process of partnering with the city to dem demolish the, the former pool site and start process of building a new one. I also serve on the Troy Zoning Board of Appeals which is the appellate body that hears um, variance requests from people as well as special use permit requests and makes interpretations of the city's code, which is you know, a unique position for me to be in because I have a ton of experience in reviewing and analyzing the city's code, which is what ultimately the civil court judge would hear. On top of that, I also serve as a head coach in basketball for youth sports, little league and youth soccer as well. Um, and like I said, my wife is also very active. She was just recently um, elected to the Lansenburg School Board of Education. So we're not going anywhere. I think we have a lot of unique experience. Um, and also, I think where we live is important and unique as well. Um, a lot of these code cases and small claims and eviction cases that are heard before this judge, they don't happen on you know the east side of Troy in the more affluent neighborhoods. They happen right in North Central or the Lansenburg areas or even downtown. And I live in North Troy. I live right on the outskirts of North Central, and, and I see um, what's happening every day. I see the Red X buildings. I see a lot of the issues that plague the code department. And um, I think I have a unique experience in, in evaluating those because of where I live. You mentioned that you've been on both sides of the aisle, which normally to people means uh, you know, one side of the aisle is Democrat, the other side of the aisle is Republican. You were actually referring to the prosecution and the defense as being two aisles. But Mark, you are running as a Democrat. And I'm always a little, 
I'm always curious about how people feel about running for positions that require you to be neutral, um, to be to, to look at both sides of the aisle, as you put it, um, but you still have to identify as a party. Can you explain to our listeners what it means when they're going to the ballot box and they're seeing that you're a Democrat and also running on the Working Families Party line and your opponent is a Republican and also running on a conservative line? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, as you know, as, as many of your listeners probably know, in modern day politics, you simply cannot get on the ballot unless you are part of one of the larger parties. And I, I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm a registered Democrat. I have been for a number of years. I typically support Democratic candidates. I, I tend to, to lean towards the values of the Democratic Party. But like you said, as someone running for judge who ultimately would be presiding over cases, uh, the laws of New York are neither Republican nor Democrat. The laws are the laws. And regardless who the judge is, it's a judge's job to make sure that they enforce those laws fairly and impartially to everybody. So um, that's what I intend to do. And yes, I, I am on the Democratic ticket. I am on the working families ticket. I was endorsed by both parties. But I also did seek out the conservative line as well, um, because I, I don't think that judges should necessarily be you know, just getting votes from, you know, their constituents from their party that they're affiliated with. It doesn't make any sense because when you become a judge, you are going to be a judge for all of the city of Troy. And you're going to have people in front of you that are Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, you know, working families, independents. It doesn't matter. Uh, the law is the law. And I want to make sure that your listeners and everybody that is involved in this understands that, that either myself or my opponent, our job is to enforce the law's as, as fairly and impartially as we can, and it doesn't matter who's in front of us. Mark, what does justice mean to you? Justice is doing your best to find the right answer under the circumstances and facts and law. And oftentimes it's not the most popular decision. Um, oftentimes you'll see both parties leave the courtroom unhappy. I once had a mentor tell me the only time that both parties should leave a courtroom happy is when they're being married. And I, I tend to agree with that. Um, there has to be some compromise oftentimes because you have adversaries in front of you in the courtroom when you're a judge. You don't have people on the same side of the equation. They're not both advocating for the same thing. They're advocating for opposite sides. So um, my goal as a judge is to make sure that every decision I render, um, that while it may make one or both parties unhappy, they understand where the ruling came from, they understand the law, and they respect the decision. And that's, that's my hope. When you're not out on the campaign trail or engaged in so many of the activities that you mentioned earlier uh, in your civic life, where can we find you having fun and out <laughs> in the Troy area? I, uh, I try to spend as much time with my children as I can, but you know this may sound kind of corny, but the, the work I do with the Nick Park, it really is, it's fun for me. So the last couple of years, especially after COVID hit, um, we came together as a board and we decided we needed to do more for the community. So we started planning events that we hadn't normally planned. So you may have heard of our trick or treat street event that started in 2020. And then last year, it was the largest trick or treating children's event in the capital region. And we're, we're doing it again this year. It's going to be on October 29th. Uh, so events like that, that's where you'll typically find me planning those events or at soccer practice, which we have coming up next week before our first game. Uh, those are the types of fun things that I like to do, believe it or not. I like to spend time with my children and do events that benefit my children and the other children in Troy. 
Well, thanks so much for taking a moment to talk to us today and let our listeners get a sense of who you are before they see your name on the ballot. Absolutely. I appreciate it very much, Corinne. Thank you. Good luck out there on the campaign trail and stay safe. Thank you very much. This was edited by Blaze Bryant, and you. we just heard from Mark Pelosi, who is running to unseat the incumbent, whose interview we'll hear from next. All right, and in this interview, co- uh, correspondent Andrea Cunliffe interviewed Troy City Court Judge Matthew Turner. So it's Andrea Cunliffe with Hudson Mohawk Magazine on our election watch, and we're talking to Matthew Turner, who's running for Troy City Judge so you're running once again for Troy City Judge. I am you've indeed. Been, you've been in the office for, gosh, since, was, am I right, 1998? I first ran in 1998. I was sworn in and took the bench on January 1, 1999. So I am, I'm in my 24th year. This is the only seat that I've ever run for, and I don't anticipate running for something else. What qualifications do you need to have to run for judge? You have to be an admitted attorney with at least five years experience. You have to live within the city of Troy and you have to be elected by the people of the city of Troy. Oh, well, that makes sense. So good morning, Mr. Turner. Good morning, Andrea. I understand that you are once again running for Troy City Court Judge. You know, a lot of people haven't had the opportunity of meeting you in your profession. So perhaps you could give me an indication of what a Troy city court judge does? Well, I generally handle the civil part of the court. You would see me in a small claims matter. You would see me in the landlord-tenant part of the court. I also handle the traffic portion of the court, uh, civil lawsuits, so lawsuits up to $15,000. I do handle sometimes criminal matters when one of the other judges has a conflict, but generally my portfolio of topics is the civil term of the court. Wow, it sounds like you're really the conduit between the laws of the city and the people themselves? Well, not just the laws of the city, but the laws of the state of New York, both the case law that has been developed by uh, New York's higher courts, as well as the statutes that the legislature has enacted is what we have to interpret and what we have to use to decide cases, depending on the facts that are presented to us. Do you have to keep up on it? Do you have like a, a lot of work you do outside of court that you have to review and know What's happening with the laws and any changes? All all the time. The legislature is always passing new legislation, thinking in particular that the real property actions and proceedings law, which is what many landlord-tenant matters are decided under, that was largely revamped in 2019. And so, yes, you have to constantly be adapting to what the new laws are, as well as the court's interpretation, the superior court's application of those laws. So a little a little about yourself. I imagine you must have something that you do when you just kind of sit down and relax at the end of the day or yourself. What do you what do you do? Do you walk your dog or go fishing? I walk my dog. I spend a tremendous amount of time outdoors. I also mow my lawn, weed our garden between having raised three kids, my wife and I as well as maintaining our household and keeping my dog happy, that's uh, that's plenty to fill up my day. Well, three kids, yes, definitely. Are they all grown now? Pretty much. Our last child is a junior in college. Our other two girls are 32 and 28, and our youngest is 20. Are they seeking a, a career in, in law at all? Is yeah. it a family thing? 
it is not a family thing. And, and I did not come from I did not come from lawyers either. My father was a physicist, and I come from four children, uh, two two girls, two boys. My brother and I both became lawyers, and our sisters. One is an engineer, and one was in in marketing. So, um, none of my girls have decided that the law is for them. Maybe that's because they saw how challenging it was for their father. People have an image of what a judge is and what a judge does, and it seems like very, very serious, sticking directly to the rules and regulations. There must be a part of being a judge that helps you understand the humanity of the situation you're in. Does that ever apply? Absolutely. I think that uh, my background is such that... um, it made me be able to relate to people in uh, of all different kinds. So I started working when I was 11 years old, working for a neighbor on Saturday mornings between 9 and 1 every Saturday morning, weeding, trimming, cutting their lawn. I then started riding my bike to people's lawns, went from lawn to lawn to lawn, and, and, and did that. And on my 16th birthday, I got my driver's license permit at I then started working unloading trucks at Caldors. If you're of a certain age, you would remember Caldors. It was sort of a precursor to Walmart. And working, receiving, unloading 50, I think it's 50, there were 56 feet long trailers. Wow. And and having a great time doing it with three guys who could not have been any more different than me. Um, I, I then did landscaping work. I delivered mail. Um, when I was in summers between college and law school, I uh, worked in the dish room at college. So I have a, a wide breadth of experience that I use every single day when I'm, I have litigants in front of me. In our court, uh, Troy City Court, I deal with a lot of self-represented people, people who are coming to court without lawyers. So you have to be able to relate to people where they are. Yeah, I guess you do. As a Troy City Judge, if you were to say, what does the word justice mean? What does justice mean to you? What does the word justice mean to you? Justice means to me the opportunity to be heard and to be treated fairly. The law and the Mm. justice system, as administered in the courtroom where I sit, I endeavor every day to see each person as an individual and apply the law fairly to the facts that are presented. I can't present the facts. I have to rely on the litigants to provide those facts. And then I apply the law to those facts. What justice means to me is nobody has a leg up depending on what they look like, what color their hair is, what, uh, you know, how tall or how short they are. What it means is I see that case as the litigants as individual um, with the law applies fully and fairly to each one of those circumstances. I think that we've achieved that in my 24 years in service to the court shows that. And I've had lots of people come up to me um, when I've been out and about in Troy, and I spend about 90% of my time in Troy. Practice is in Troy. The court is in Troy. My family is in Troy. I've had a number of people come up to me and over the years and say that even if they didn't win their case and you know, win is in quotation marks, uh, yeah. they felt like they were given the opportunity to be heard and, and were heard and were treated fairly. And so for that reason, I have no no issue walking around or going into any venue in Troy and be worried about 
you know, does somebody say, hey, you treated me poorly, you treated me wrongly. That's the way I have always seen the court and my role in the court. You mentioned that that you have a a law practice as well. Um, I do. Does that deal with criminal offenses? Well, it can't deal with criminal offenses within the city of Troy, but I've represented people in criminal court out in Albany County. I am entitled, authorized. There's no conflict for me to appear in a local justice court where the the judges are non-lawyers. I can't practice in any court in Rensselaer County, local court, meaning city Uh court, town or village court, where the judge is a lawyer also allowed to practice law. So they can't practice in front of me. I can't practice in front of them. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Have you represented people as a defense? Yes, in a defense context. And I came out of the Rensselaer County Public Defender's Office was the job I had before getting elected to city court. Is there something in particular you'd like to add? Because I think we've just about covered everything I had on my list. Is there something you'd like to um, contribute? No, I just, uh, I would just like to add that that um, I am I am running for re-election because I love this job. I think that I add value to it. I have clearly uh, the experience to continue to do the job. I've decided over 200,000 cases in my 24 years on the bench. What's important to me is for people to feel as if they've been treated fairly. There's nothing that makes me feel better than to run into people who say, you know what, I left court feeling like that was a good experience, that either I learned something uh, I didn't know, uh, that you know, I, I felt like I was heard, and so that's what's, that's what's most important to me. People are very nervous when they come into court. How can you dispel that fear? Yeah, my goal is to shatter. treat people, people like people. I had wonderful examples of that uh, in my parents, to just treat people like people, um, just as you would want to be treated. That's how you should treat people. I just happen to have a, uh, a specialized training and skill set that allows me to do the job I've been doing for the last 24 years. The way that I run my courtroom is why I've been in the seat for the last 24 years. So this is my fifth time up for election. This is the job that I feel called to do. And I think that, um, again, I'm not, I'm not through doing that. I want to continue to do that, and I intend to do that for the next six years. And this is Andrea Connolly for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, speaking with Matthew Turner who's running for re-election for the Troy City Judge. You just heard from both candidates running for Troy City Court Judge. Next, we turn to the Troy City Council District 2 and hear from candidate Ryan Brosnan. He was interviewed by political and public affairs correspondent Corinne Carey. Well, I'm, I've been living in Troy for a little bit now and uh, living in District 2 for a few years. And I saw that uh, there's a lot of a lot of problems that needed addressing, and I felt like I could uh, address a lot of those problems pretty well. And it's uh, you can't really address them from the couch, so I figured, why not try to step up? And enough people thought that I could do it, so here I am stepping up, hoping that uh, enough people think I'm the right guy for the job. What kinds of problems were you seeing in your community, and what do you hope to do to address them? I was seeing trash on the streets, and I was hoping to. Uh, work with Department of Works to get that cleaned up, um, getting garbage cans with lids. Um, I've been seeing uh, a lot of violence in the streets, young people just 
uh, making mistakes, not really having the guidance they need in life. Um, just hoping to really uh, push to get trades back in schools, trying to get people the guidance they need in life. Uh, hopefully, if they see that um, there's opportunities out there that don't require college education, they don't require a flawless background, that don't require you needing to take out massive amounts of debt to achieve it. They won't feel the need to turn around and do things out of necessity. Um, hopefully they can see young people uh, like myself doing well for themselves in the community. Uh, we can work together, learning through those trades and rebuilding together, Troy. What kind of a background do you have? My background is really just working hard. Uh, I went to college for a little bit, decided college really isn't for me. It's just a lot of debt that I'm not really going to uh, see the payout from. So I became a cook. Uh, I became a dishwasher, really, and then worked my way into being a cook. And then I was working a lot. I saw my little brother. He joined the trades. I'm like, wow, being an electrician seems way better. So I uh, became a truck driver for an electrical shop and then worked my way into the electrical union. And from there, here I am. Wow, that's exciting. So you, where do you work now? Uh, I work uh, for the electrical union, the IBW. Uh, right now, the shop I'm working for is Martin. Uh, the site I'm working on it is uh, Regeneron, which is a pharmaceutical plant over in Rensselaer. And so you're not still cooking. You're actually, what are you doing? I mostly do electrical work. So right now I'm doing mostly control. So it's automation, setting up devices that uh, monitor levels of acids and bases and uh, just automating the process of drug manufacturing for Regeneron and different control processes for HVAC and things like that. Just uh, electrical work for Regeneron. And so what does your campaign look like? Are you going door to door? Are you speaking to different members of your community as you're as you're trying to get out the vote for your candidacy? It's, it's a grassroots campaign for sure. Uh, I'm speaking to um, different reverends in the community, different churches. It's mostly door to door though. Um, planning on knocking on every door twice. I'm making pretty good headway. Um, yeah, it's, it's really a grassroots campaign though. And what are you hearing from your fellow residents in district two about what they're looking for in a city council representative? Uh, mostly someone who listens. It's a lot of unrepresented people, people who feel like they haven't been represented or aren't being represented well, um, people who feel like the opportunities really aren't hitting this district. And I feel like I can be the one to help make sure that the opportunities are coming here and that I can help generate more opportunities for the people of district too. Is there anything that you thought you knew, but after talking to residents in your district, you changed your mind about? Uh, yeah, there's been quite a few things. Um, Every day, I'm learning something new about the district. Uh, nobody knows everything, and I'm definitely, uh, definitely that person. And the thing I say to people at the end is, um, "Is there anything I should know?" And everyone tells me something. There's too many, too many things to touch on there. So you you can't give me an example of something that you've learned. People have talked about the lighting in Troy. Um, I thought. Some of the LED lights were doing well. People were telling me they weren't. I walked down the street the other day and 
they absolutely were pretty dim. Um, I've learned a lot of different good spots to eat. I've learned a lot of different things. Like I thought, oh yeah, I, I know who my favorite pizza place is. Did not know. I've learned uh, um, there was a dog park I like to go to. I found a different dog park. There's so many different places in District 2 that you really wouldn't know about unless you started speaking to the people who have been here for way longer than I have. What and is, it's, it's cool. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Go ahead. What is your favorite pizza place? It was um, Amante's, but it's quickly becoming Red Front and uh, Jimmy's Pizzeria is also very good. <laughs> That's great. Who do you look up to in the city or who do you look to for support, collaboration or advice on some of the tough issues that you'll face? Uh, there's a lot of good people to look up to here. I've been talking to Carmelo a lot. I've been talking to Jim Gully a lot. They've been very instrumental to helping out. Uh, Irene's been great. Um, Seamus. There's been a lot of people. Gabby's been awesome. Um, Frank Maven's been great. There's been a lot of people along the way that have been helping out. What do you think you can offer that your opponent cannot? Uh, well, I'm a union tradesman. Uh, I have the backing of a lot of the different trades unions. I have experience in the trades. I'm, if you're talking trying to rebuild District 2, trying to get the zombie buildings taken care of, trying to get buildings back built. I know a lot of people who do it. I know people who are trying to get into the area to teach people how to rebuild, how to learn trades. Um, I feel like that is something that I definitely have leaps and bounds over an experience and it is a clear opportunity for District 2. Can you tell me what your thoughts are on the pay-as-you-throw garbage fee schedule that the Troy City Council has been looking at for the past few years? I'm not a huge proponent of the pay-as-you-throw um, method. Uh, I think it is more costly to families as you look, like sit down and run the numbers. Um so it's hard to get behind something like that. If you're talking about trying to help families, it, it doesn't it doesn't benefit families. So it's hard to say that you support something like that. Mm -hmm. There, There's also been a move to ban ATVs and dirt bikes from city streets. Do you have any thoughts about that? I don't think that ATVs and dirt bikes really belong on streets. I love riding dirt bikes and I love ATVs, but I don't think I've seen people riding them and it's not usually responsibly. I don't think riding them on the city streets is the best way of uh, conducting yourself. I don't think it's safe. I know when I lived on Sixth Ave, there was a terrible accident and I know it's not an isolated incident. I don't think it's uh, something very many people would condone. What's the first thing you're looking forward to doing should you be successful in winning this seat? The first thing I'm looking forward to doing is hitting the ground running, uh, making sure that I start hitting and making sure people start getting the opportunities I'm looking to present. I'm going to make sure that we're getting those streets cleaned up, making sure I'm uh, talking to the people I know to get the opportunities rolling, making sure we're getting the garbage cans rolling, making sure everything that you see on the palm cards is coming to real life. And what do you want 
people in your community to know about you as they head to the polls in November? Um, that talking the talk is easy. Walking the walk is where hard workers are performing. And I'm not much of a talker. I'm more of a worker and I'm here to do hard work. That's what I'm known for doing. And I'm looking forward to doing hard work for you. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to say? Nope. I just look forward to seeing everyone November 8th. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for talking to me. And if you win the seat, we'd love to have you back to talk about your your plans for the future. All right. Thank you so much for your time. That interview was edited by Blaze Bryan. And if you'd like to repeat any of the interviews from this episode, go to mediasanctuary.org and search for Election Watch 2022. And Election Day is a week away, but early voting opened last weekend. Don't forget to turn over the ballot to vote on Proposition 1, the Clean Water, Clean Air, and Clean Jobs Environmental Bond Act 2022. To learn more about it, we have interviews with Andy Bicking of Scenic Hudson, Inc., and a more recent interview with Jessica Otney-Mahar of the Nature Conservancy's New York Policy and Strategic Director by Mark Dunley. Looking for voting resources? www.vote411.org can help you find your polling place and look up your ballot. And that's our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm Kellen McPherson. And I'm Sina Bazilahiki. Today the engineer was Kaylin McPherson. We want to thank all of our volunteers who made this episode possible. Contributors to today's episode are Mark Dunley for the headlines, Corinne Carey, Andrea Cunliffe, and Blaze Bryant, and of course my co-host, Caitlin McPherson. We want to hear from you. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Media Sanctuary, or send us an email to hmm at mediasanctuary.org. Tune in weekdays at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., and 6 p.m. to hear local news or stream Sanctuary Radio at mediasanctuary.org. Full episodes and individual stories are available on demand on our website, and on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you listening. Radio continues to grow. Until next time.